And uh, this headline reminds me of a question I've been asking many economists throughout the course of this year. If Christmas will be a merry one. And uh, from what I understand, there are different metrics, different market sentiments. But overall, it does seem as though it might not shoot the lights out as it has before. But consumers will show a level of resilience. So will it be merry? I think if you look at our latest uh, B or retail uh, trade survey results, it's not going to be as many uh, Christmas as many would have hoped. And usually, as you said in your introduction, the festive season is one where uh, consumers uh, go to town um, on spending, um, but it does seem as if there's quite a lot of hesitancy, um, there's quite a lot of uncertainty, and, and consumers are not going to be um, uh, coming to the party as willingly as they have in the past. And I think that's important, right, to take a look at the past and what characteristics were economic fundamentals that were there that perhaps might be lacking in this year. And I guess this year, one thing's for certain, load shedding has had a significant impact not only on the cost of doing business, but also on our pressure, um, pressure on our pockets as consumers. Talk to us about the themes that comparisons to previous years. I think that's definitely the case, Gumulatu. Uh, I think uh, outside of just the the, uh, the load shedding impact in previous years, uh, we didn't have interest rates um, at such high levels. Um, and uh, very importantly, consumers still had some savings to get into. Uh, you'd know from during COVID-19, consumers were able to build up quite a nice buffer of savings. And because of the sort of higher cost of living, they eroded into that very quickly. Uh, so particularly for last year and, and, and 2021, where savings were still uh, relatively uh, easily accessible, even that's off the table uh, for consumers this year. Definitely. What I'm also keen to understand, though, in, is in your report, you do help us distill between the various sectors of retail, right? Because there's uh, food retail, there's uh, non-durable goods as well. We see uh, what we also see within durable goods uh, and hardware sales. Maybe talk us through these various segments, because I do understand that some might continue to see a positive performance more than others. Yeah, I think it is important to, to uh, be cognizant of the different uh, income or different expenditure groups and how they would be affected by the economic fundamentals. Uh, non-durable goods retailers, for example, uh, they, they're complaining that sales are just not uh, keeping uh, pace with what uh, they've expected. And they cite, um, again, the cost of living prices. If you look at the latest CPI numbers, uh, food inflation remains elevated at 9%. It remained elevated at 9% in November uh, from 8.7 in October. So it really is uh, price factors that are driving down volumes for um, for, for non-durable good retailers and the fact that consumers are, are, are trading down. So they're no longer buying um, luxury items or luxuries um, uh, as they would in the past, mm. uh, focusing on necessities, focusing on trading down from known brands of rice and flour and essentials to store name brands. So there's been a number of um, uh, developments on the consumer front and non-durables that have, that have, um, uh, that have resulted or that are as a result of the of the difficult environment, and then durable goods, which include furniture and hardware, I mean that's that's typically where you see the interest rate or high interest rate uh, come to play, and and it's, it, it it is, and um, the tighter monetary policy environment in South Africa um, is working as it should, and it's being reflected in this weaker uh, durable goods um, sales figures again. If you look at the October numbers for retail sales, um, continuing to be in deep negative territory, um, particularly on the hardware side. So 
again, people have to cut somewhere. And they're cutting mm. on things which they find um, are not as necessary now. So you can forego painting the house now, yeah. uh, but you can't not eat. Uh, uh, and, and that's uh, that's the reality. We are seeing uh, retailers much more buoyant. And again, this is also reflected in the in the official statistics and stats that is in semi-durable goods. Um, so uh, food and clothing and textiles, not food, sorry, clothing and textiles, they are still uh, doing quite well and they're doing much better than some of the other categories. Um, we suspect that their inflation is much more benign than what we have elsewhere, and that's helped sales. Um, but it has, of course, had repercussions for retailer profitability. Um, so non-durable goods and durable goods retailers are suffering um, uh, more extensively than the semi-durable goods guys, but they've had to really eat into their profit margins to see the sales that they're currently enjoying. Yeah, definitely. I love how you've put it into perspective, you know, to make sense for us. You can forego painting your home, but you still need to eat. Uh, I'm also intrigued by some of the macroeconomic factors that are typically exogenous factors beyond our control, especially if we take a look at the backlog at the ports to bring goods in and out of the country uh, and also uh, our freight rail and logistics environment. Has that had an impact though on, on retailers who are positioning themselves for typically what is a very vibrant time of the year. Um, could we see stock shortages this year? So it's very interesting. It's in that in that semi-durable goods category um, that has been performing well where we uh, see firms lament the inefficiencies at the port. Uh, in fact, if you uh, just uh, read the headlines, mm. the number of major clothing retailers uh, are complaining about the fact that the summer stock which should have been on, on shelves already, um, has just not arrived. Um, it's stuck at port. Um, and that puts them in a very difficult position um, from a retailer perspective because it's a very limited window before a new summer stock is, is obsolete. Um, consumers will likely benefit with, with discounts to get stock off the shelf floor uh, come January. But for now, um, it is a quite a big problem for retailers. Um, they're still sitting with some stock from winter. Um, and now, on top of that, they haven't received the summer stock in time. Mm. It is um, an unfortunate, as you mentioned, exogenous factor, which, uh, or, or let's say another unfortunate exogenous factor that retailers need to deal with. My goodness, this sounds interesting, but I'm also intrigued by the potential promotions and sales and uh, I guess some um, price cuts that we might see uh, in, in the year ahead. Uh, and speaking of that, I'm, I'm aware that, you know, in, in the month of Jan, we'll have the opportunity to reflect on these numbers, uh, to have some insight on, on what this means and spells for economic growth and development. But I guess, Craig, taking advantage of the fact that you are an economist and you can give us an overview of the performance of the South African economy, how would you characterize 2023 and is this last quarter likely going to be the boost uh, that we do need just to see an uptick in the overall GDP performance of this year? I think 2023 uh, so far can be characterized as, as having to deal with a lot of headwinds. Um, from the beginning of the year already, um, the economy was sort of passed to multiple sides. And just as, as you feel there's some resolution in one um, area of the economy, then uh, so let's use it's the load shedding uh, relief, then you find out that the ports are struggling and you uh, sort of realize the extent of water shortages in certain uh, parts of the country. Then you have uh, geopolitical developments um, which have worked, which worked against us um, for, for some time and, and, and from which we saw uh, quite a lot of necessity. So it is um, a case of having to deal with a number of, of headwinds and we've, we've um, 
know, seeing some of that result in much weaker growth and forecast uh, for the third quarter, as you as you would have known and you would have covered last week. We don't at this stage pencil or not at this stage pencilling technical recessions. In other words, we don't think Q4 is going to lead to uh, is going to be another negative trend, largely because uh, there is some scope for a bounce back in some of those sectors and particularly fed week uh, in, in the third quarter. But we do feel uh, that growth is going to be um, uh, in and around uh, 0.6, 0.7% for this year, um, which is a very weak. Um, and we feel that as we move into the new year, we're going to have to see a step change in the number of, of facets uh, on the consumer uh, perspective. It's really hard to see more demand uh, in the absence of rate cuts. And I think that's going to be a crucial turning point. Mm-hmm. Globally, um, there is a, a feeling that the rate action cycle has peaked, that we are likely to see interest cuts um, towards the next year at least. Um, in the South African context, uh, we feel that a sort of similar trajectory is appropriate. Yeah. But uh, so, so in other words, uh, rate cuts from around uh, July of next year. But uh, in the absence of that, it's really difficult to see where else uh, consumer growth momentum will come from. We do feel that there's enough uh, uh, momentum in terms of renewable energy, in terms of uh, alternate energy investment that will lead to sort of fixed investment component of the economy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the consumer, it's really hard to see any um, real um, growth in the absence of, of uh, uh, a looser policy environment. Craig, you have tickled my brain cells because this conversation can grow so many legs about the state-owned entities, how it is that they're getting fixed, new leadership at ESCOM, Transnet Freight Rail still slightly delayed, the post office going through a business rescue, SAA still reporting losses, and the Auditor General not impressed. And those are all fundamentals as well that do speak to the additional levers of uh, productivity uh, as well as economic growth that we need. But as you mentioned, consumer-led growth, Mm, not likely. Such a pleasure speaking to you, sir. Truly appreciate your time and insight. If you missed it live, catch the broadcast on kaya959.co.za.